Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Burnout Expert Podcast, Episode 9. We are going to be diving into the very first steps for beating burnout when you are trying to regain control at the very, very beginning. Now, this episode is coming about because I've been interviewed on quite a few other podcasts recently, and most of them have asked me, what are my top tips that I can give their audience that they can actually start right now? in order to start getting out of burnout. And there are two tools that I always talk about. I do not stray from these two tools because they are the foundation of what it is that I teach. If you have listened to my past episodes, you know that there are so many things that get you into burnout. And what that is for you is individual. It may be physically pushing yourself too much. It might be your sleep. It might be gut issues. It might be hormones. It might be toxins. It could be not setting boundaries. It could be social stressors, which a lot of that happened during lockdown, during COVID. We have traumas. We have all kinds of stressors. You may have financial stressors. You may have mold in your house. You may be taking care of an ill parent or an ill child or a neurodiverse child. There are so many different things. So where we need to tackle with each of you is different, but there are two things that I start everybody with when I start working with them, regardless of what direction we're going to eventually go. These two tools are the ones that I get everybody on because they start allowing you to get a little bit or a lot, depending on where your, your, your burnout lies, how deep you are in it, of control over your stress system. When I ask first responders that I've worked with, I've worked with responders since 2018, what tools from the program that I use with them, what tools have they found the most valuable? And hands down, they all talk about these two tools. I actually thought they would be talking about testing we do for hormone and gut and all of these other like things that are bigger tools. They're not as simple of tools. And they all say these two tools are the ones that they will forever continue to use throughout the rest of their life. So what I'm going to be doing today is going through those tools with you. These are simple. They are your base foundation. So they need to be simple because they need to, they're, they're your base 
when you're, when you're thinking of like a pro athlete, I, I spoke of this on one of the other episodes where we think of a pro athlete when we really asking them what they do in order to get like on the podium with any of them that are there, what it is, is they have such a strong base that they built on top of what gets them from that silver to the gold are metal winning tools. But if they don't have these base foundational tools, then though they will not even get onto the podium. So these are two tools that you will need to take with you for the rest of your life. Regardless, even if you're not in burnout, if you're just going for performance optimization, this is still a tool for you. So let's dive into this. The first tool is one that is amazing for helping with brain fog, for memory, with your joints being really tight. It can ease some digestive issues depending on how bad your gut is at this moment in time. It can help you feel calmer. It it just allows and, and more energy and sleep better, which is interesting. And the thing is, is that what it is, is making sure that your body is hydrated. The sad truth is that most of us are dehydrated. Our bodies are made up of 60% water. So if we stop and think about that for a second, our bodies are 60% water. So 60% of you is water. That's what goes into your muscles, into your cells, into your organs, into your bloodstream, 60% water. And the first place, as soon as you start becoming dehydrated, the first place that your body decreases the amount of water that is, is getting to your body is your brain. Isn't that crazy? So you get foggier. You don't think as well. Your memory decreases. You become more stressed and more moody. And it's just, it then eventually, and it, it does start coming where your joints even start aching because it starts decreasing from your joints. It keeps the water in your muscles the longest because when you need to fight or flee, you need the, the water in your muscles. And so it takes it from the brain and then it takes it from like your organs and your colon and your joints next. We as, as humans that have evolved, we have turned off our thirst signal that many of you may not even realize you're thirsty when you are, you may be thinking they're hunger cues or maybe ignoring it all together. And the thing is, is that if we stop and look at the top 25% of prescription drugs of the, the symptoms that the top percent prescription that the top prescription drugs um help with they are very very similar to the top symptoms of dehydration now does this mean that every single person who is on a prescription drug is dehydrated or that the reason they're having all of those symptoms is dehydration no Absolutely not. And I am not at all condoning you to go off of any prescription medications that you are on without your doctor's um, guidance. But I find it very fascinating that doctors will first offer a pill before they start talking to you about hydrating yourself. 
So it's very, very important to start diving in and taking that off the table. If we can take that dehydration off of the table and we can start improving your moods, improving some of your digestion, your colon movement, improving your joints and uh, actually like moods. So we even have depression, anxiety can decrease depending on the cause. It can decrease when you increase your water consumption. Brain fog, memory, all of these things are linked to dehydration. So if we add this one tool that is so simple and it, it honestly has blown so many of my first responders away when they start drinking water as to how less stressed they feel. When that stress is not on their body, they feel it, which says a lot. So this isn't to say that you don't need your prescriptions that you're on or anything, but before you maybe start a new prescription, why not check and see where your hydration levels are? Try to hyperhydrate for a little while. And I'm not going to say hyperhydrate. I don't actually like that word. Uh, one of my coaches does use that word a lot. And I think that we still have to be cautious with overhydrating ourselves. And it's not realistic to go crazy with water all the time. So giving your body what you can realistically give it on a regular basis. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, well, I can't chug water. And many people can't at the start of this because when you have been ignoring your thirst signal, when you haven't been chugging water for so long, those uh, have decreased in their sensitivity and ability in your body. So you have to bring those back into play. When I first started, I could not sip like I eight ounces or one cup of water. I could not, could not chug it at all. Now I can down 24 ounces of water bottle, which is three cups of water. And I can down that in one go. It takes time. You have to build this up in your body. So if you can't chug now, that is a huge signal that your body is actually dehydrated, that you don't have the ability to chug water that your thirst signal has shut off. Now, you may also be worried if you have to pee more often. So you can take electrolytes. Um, definitely highly recommend electrolytes. We drop um, sometimes Himalayan salt rocks, so the pink salt rocks, Celtic Himalayan um, um, salt, the pink ones. My husband always carries some in his duty bag. We drop those in our water bottles and that will help to absorb the water as well. They have 23 or 28, I should know this, 23 or 28 minerals. I think it's 28 minerals that your stress system needs in order to function. So you're actually feeding your stress system with it as well and pulling that water into your system. Now you still are going to have to pee more often because you are drinking more water. So if you're in a job like police officers, please give the female some grace. If you are a male officer, please offer to hold your partner's belt and tell them that you understand how important hydration is and you will hold their belt every single time they have to go to the bathroom without question. Um, if you're somebody on a job as well that may not be able to get to a bathroom, what you can do is 
Um, as soon as you wake up, I still encourage actually everybody to do this anyways. As soon as you wake up or before you go to bed, put a bottle of water or a glass of water on either your kitchen counter, your bedside table, somewhere where you're going to be like first thing in the morning. And when, as soon as you wake up, try to chug. So you'll get like 24 ounces once you're able to chug as soon as you wake up and you lose a lot of water in your sleep through your breathing. So you will be able to have it then. And then an hour later or so chug again, that way that by the time you have gone to work, you've had two water bottles, 50 ounces, which for most of us is about half of our daily requirement of water. Then you can sip a bottle during your shift, during your workday. And as soon as your workday is done, chug another bottle and you will have gotten a hundred ounces in, which is about average for most people for a day with average heats during heat, during sports, during more physical exertion, you definitely need more. That is the average that we say um, should be doable on a regular basis. And if you don't like water, you can flavor it. There are those soda machines, just don't add the flavorings in it. Um, just to bubbly the water, you can add um, fruits and vegetables and no, and vegetables such as like sometimes cucumbers can be added in, but like a lot of fruits, a lot of berries and citrus fruits can be added into your water to flavor it. You can use tea, mint tea is great. Add some ginger into your water, ginger, mint, um, different flavors into it, absolutely in order to flavor your water. So definitely if you don't like water, if you have to pee more often or if you can't chug, there's, there's ways that you can still get water in. Keep in mind as well that every time you drink coffee, every cup of coffee, you pee out a cup of water. So you need to replace that as well. So the solution, as we've talked about, is drinking water. So one thing that is very helpful for my clients is to go onto your phone and download a water tracking app. There are tons. Android, Apple, it doesn't matter. There's tons of them. Pick one with a lot of really good high reviews and try it. See how you like it. Um, once in a while, I'll randomly just choose different ones. And some of them drain my battery and some of them are perfectly fine. So if you find that your battery is draining, definitely just delete that one and try another. It will ask you your, your height and your weight to kind of give you an idea of where you're at or where your body should be at. And I wouldn't necessarily do that to start. What I would do is, um, I would just plug, I'd plug it in, but I'd leave it be. And I'd start tracking my water for a few days and see where I'm at. Just where are you at? And then increase it a little bit. Because if you increase it a lot to what the app says, if you're not drinking that much, it's going to be so hard and you're, it's just going to be challenging. And we want this habit to last you a lifetime. So build yourself up slowly to the number that it says for your weight and height or just do it as an average hundred. Hundred is good. If you can do consistently a hundred almost most days, that's great. So absolutely stick with that. So if you don't focus on hydration, if you continue to stay dehydrated, your brain will be foggy. You will be moodier. Your joints are going to ache. And one thing as well is if you have so much stress on your body because of dehydration, we're it might give us some false areas that we need to start working on things with you. So 
if you can get yourself dehydrated first, or sorry, get yourself dehydrated, get yourself hydrated first, then that stresses off of your body and we'll be able to really be able to see where we need to start working first, diving in first with the next steps in order to get you out of burnout. So that covers everything with hydration. If you have any questions on this, you can pop into my Facebook group, which I have linked in the show notes, and you can ask any questions that you have on this. So just let me know if you can comment as well on the podcast, um, then definitely just ask, uh, ask a question there and I will for sure answer for you. So let's dive into the second tool that I always teach people when I'm being asked on these podcast interviews. The other problem, so we had that stress burden on your body that we take off with the hydrating your body. The second thing is living in a stressed state. Now, we, our stress nerve, our nerves themselves are very similar to muscles. The more you work them, the quicker they are to react, the stronger they get. So when you are kicking in your stress nerve for all of the stressors we've talked about, it doesn't matter big or small, going to bed later than your body um, is able, eating unhealthy food, all of these things can actually stress out your body all in different ways. And so when your body is stressed, that stress nerve is getting worked and it becomes so strong, it overpowers that resting nerve. And that resting nerve then can't kick in when you're not in a stressed situation. It can't kick in when you're laying on the couch or you're hanging out with your family and we start getting short fused. We're not able to relax. Our mind won't shut off when we're trying to fall asleep. There's so many things that can happen when we, this, this muscle can't shut down. And when your stress nerve is kicked in, you're, you don't need to stop and have a poop or eat a really good meal. When you are being chased by the lion, when you're in that stress state, that fight or flight state. And so every time that nerve kicks in, your gut digestion slows down and it starts leading to bigger gut issues. A lot of the hormones that your stress system manages, there's 50 hormones that your stress system is in charge of. Those hormones can't be distributed through your gut. And 90% of your serotonin is actually produced in your gut. Serotonin is the synthetic serotonin is what is found in anxiety and depression medication. Serotonin is your happy, feel good. I am, I'm, I'm socially engaged with people. I, I love life hormone. And 90% of that comes from your gut. Every time the stress nerve is overpowering your resting nerve, it's slowing down your gut and decreasing its ability to get serotonin out which explains why so many people are on any anxiety and any, any um, depressants. The, they're synthetic serotonin. And so it's really important for us to make sure that this nerve is, your resting nerve is not being overpowered by your stress nerve. We don't want you in a hypervigilant state where you're on alert all the time, where everything seems like a fire and everything's frustrating you. And so the first thing that we do is we start switching your breathing from mouth to nose. 
Now, this is simple. This is basic. You may have heard of other breathing techniques and all of that, and they are there. But if we think of this analogy of these base foundational tools, base foundational tools need to be in place if you don't start building, if they're not in place and they're not solid before you start adding other things on top of it, then you don't get on the podium. So we want you on the podium. So there are definitely other breathing techniques. I teach a lot of them to my clients. We do a lot of dysfunctional breathing, carbon dioxide tolerance, all kinds of stuff that are the advanced breathing trainings in order to train that resting nerve. But if we think of this like a gym as well, if you're going to the gym one hour, three to five times a week, that's three to five hours a week. You are still not going to reach your goals if you want to get in better shape, if you want to um, lose weight, if the other hours. So think of it, that would be 23 hours times the five days and 24 hours for the other two days. If you are pretty much just sitting down like a sloth, eating crap and not having any good habits. So we need to make sure that what you are doing 24 hours a day is in the best interest for that nervous system before we start adding in these breathing techniques, which you will do for five minutes seven days a week, could be 20 minutes, seven days a week. It really depends on you. We dive into that and figure it out. I love using the whoop data to figure out what is best for you. Some people it's 20, some people it's five. It, it is very individual. So before we dive into those advanced techniques, we need to make sure that you are breathing through your nose as often as possible. Why? What does this have to do with your nervous system? Well, you're, when you are being chased by a lion or chased by a bear, you're in that fight or flight state, your stress nerves kicked in, you breathe through your mouth, you breathe through your mouth. And there is a branch of your resting nerve that actually shuts off that relaxes your tongue and opens up your throat to allow more air in through your breath to really get that air in while you're being chased by the lion. And when you're breathing through your nose, there is a part of the resting nerve that um, actually rubs right up against your, your sinuses. And when you're breathing through your nose too, you're really getting into that vagus nerve. It's, it's your resting nerve that kicks in when you breathe through your nose. So you touch it when you're going through your sinuses. And then when you fill your belly, fill your belly with air, all so this resting nerve is called the wandering nerve it's actually all of your body but we have the most number of nerves around your diaphragm where it's filling with air and those nerves around your diaphragm are unmyelinated so if we think of a wire without the rubber coating that means that that copper piece in the middle it's really really susceptible to um electricity to the energy current that's coming out but it's also more susceptible to damage. So we can really hit and strengthen these, those nerves, those resting nerves, those fibers of that resting nerve when we are really filling our belly with air and we're switching you into that resting state. So this will switch you into a resting state at the same time as it's doing reps like you would be in a gym 
for your muscles, it's doing reps on the resting nerve. And if we think about this, the more reps you do, the stronger it gets, the more um, it becomes a habit as well. And the less that your stress nerve is going to overpower your resting nerve. So it's just, just starting with breathing anytime during your day that you notice you're breathing through your mouth, switch to your nose. When you find you're in a stressed state, breathe, make sure you're breathing through your nose and fill your belly. Exhale through your nose really slowly. That's it. That is going to start switching you out of that stress state. Now, I have absolutely had some first responders that I've worked with, very, very, very few, where they were not even able to shift it without breathing. And the reason was, is their body was protecting them in a, in a way because they were holding in traumas. So for them as well, there were certain supplements that helped that we gave them um, based on their medical health history. We had to make sure first going through it, that it was okay for them and no contraindications with any other medica medications or health, health, health issues they were having. And, or they would go to their doctors and that's when they would get an anti-anxiety or an anti-depressant um, prescription. Many of these people as well were in having suicidal thoughts. They did not want to harm themselves, but their body was in such a fight or flight state where their nervous system was firing so much that they needed that synthetic serotonin, they needed it in order to calm their system enough so that they could then start implementing the tools to get them out. And as they went through that and got themselves out more and more and strengthened that resting nerve and got the right vitamins and minerals to be supporting their stress system and worked on all of the different parts, they eventually were able to get off of those anxiety and depressant meds. So these medications are definitely have a use. They are just overused by our medical system. And one way that you can really have an impact on the need of or the to the need of that's not the right wording in order to make sure that your stress system is not you're not living in that stressed panic attack over anxious hypervigilant state is to focus on slow breathing through your nose. The more reps, the better it is. So while you're driving, um, especially going like when you're, you're as a first responder before you're going to a call for anybody, if you're like, before you open up emails, before you go into a meeting, make it a habit to start switching into your nose. This is such a staple habit. And it is something that if you don't do this on a regular basis, if you don't practice breathing through your nose, switching from your mouth to your nose on a regular basis, then it doesn't matter what other tools we give you. If we do start trying to work with your hormones and work with your gut and get you on the right nutritional stuff, your stress system is going to keep firing and throwing all of those things off again. So 
we need to start gaining back control of your stress system by decreasing the stress on your body with with uh, hydrating yourself and keeping you out of your stress state turning off your stress nerve so that you are not in a stress state as often which compounds over time the more that you can learn to switch out of it as as soon as you can as soon as you notice you're breathing through your mouth, as soon as you notice any of your stress signs, start breathing through your nose. And you will find that the less that you spend in that stressed state, the, the more you're able to control that switch and that compounds over time and stress symptoms do decrease. This is not the full answer for getting out of burnout. If this works for you and you're out, then you were definitely not in a deep stage of burnout and just be grateful um, and keep doing this. But you'll find many of you uh, wake up in the middle of the night with your mouth so dry and snoring, may have sleep apnea. And a lot of this is due to breathing through your mouth and because your stress nerve is kicking in and overpowering your resting nerve, even when you're resting, when you're sleeping, when you're supposed to be in a resting state. So just to review quickly, we have these two tools. You can see why my first responders have said these are so important. Hydration takes such a stress off of your plate. Shoot, the symptoms of dehydration are the top symptoms of prescriptions. We have even skin irritations, gut issues, depression, anxiety, um, brain fog, moodiness, cognitive issues, sleeping, hormonal issues, all kinds of things are the same symptoms as the top 25 prescriptions and hydration. And so taking that stress off with hydrating yourself as well as decreasing how often you're living in a stress nerve, being able to control that switch decreases how often you're in a stress state, which compounds over time and allows us to then start diving in and doing the deep work. Now, keep in mind, habits are messy. You may do phenomenal with one or both of these. I would not start both at the same time. Starting two habits is really hard. Starting one habit is hard enough. So if you go back to our episode a couple of episodes ago, I believe it was episode seven that I dove into habits and how they are not easy. You contemplate them. Once you even get starting them, you start, you realize that you need to tweak and adjust some things. You maybe make some adjustments, then you forget about it for a while, and then you come back to it. It is messy. And that's why I said the app, we do find with responders that it helps for a while, and then you fall off of it. You decide, hey, I don't need the app anymore, and you may not for a while. And then the weather may change. It might get colder. I find I drink less water when it's colder out. Um, and you may find that. Just life stages might happen, or you just might have forgot. So these are two habits that you will need to work on for the rest of your life: breathing through your nose and hydrating yourself. So give yourself grace. Set your your expectations realistic. Keep them simple. Don't add any fancy breathing techniques now. Just focus on the nose. Nose in slowly. Nose out anytime that you 
realize you're breathing through your mouth all during the day. And only drink the amount of water that you can consistently. You want to keep this long-term. So even if 100 is too much for you and 75 is great, like three water bottles is a really good amount for you, then do it. If you can be consistent with that, then that is much better than doing something that is too hard that you're going to fall off of. All right. So now you understand why these are the top two tips that I do always talk about when I am interviewed on other podcast episodes and I'm sharing them with you. All right. Exciting news we do have is that my website is ready for the Burnout Expert podcast. That is burnoutexpert.ca. I have that in the show notes. I do have my first responder website out as well, which is 911lifestyle.com. Com. That one's been around since 2018. I do have that Facebook page, which I mentioned, which is where you can come and ask me questions. And on my website as well, you can now join my mailing list so you can get emails from me during the week, recaps on what the next podcasts are coming up. You can be invited to come to some live calls where I can dive into any questions that you do have. If you have a whoop or an aura ring or another tracker, we can dive into those if you can share it with me or any other questions on anything that we do have. We are starting a new, um, not a new format, but I'm starting to do some interviews with people who are in deep burnout. Those are coming up. I have a lot of them booked and starting to record them. So I'm excited to get those out to you. So you can see all of the different things that people experience when they're in burnout and all of the ways that they get out. Because as we said, there is not one solution. That is it for today's episode. If you have any questions, definitely go to burnoutexpert.ca, sign up for my mailing list or email me and I will answer them for you. I'll see you in the next episode.